Welcome to Virginia's Young Farmers Podcast. I'm Morgan Slavin. And I'm Ashley Keeler. And we're a couple advocates who are passionate about cultivating conversations about agriculture and rural issues. Whether you're a generational farmer like me or a farming hopeful like Ashley, we're just happy to have you here as part of our community. And today we're excited to be talking about holiday traditions and ag facts around the holidays. I'm really pumped up about it. I've done a lot of research. I am an ag fact nerd. I literally cannot wait to, to get into this here, but let's kick it off. Ashley, tell me your favorite Christmas or holiday memory from growing up. I grew up with three other half siblings and it was the best thing where my mom had four kids in five years. So we were all super close in age, two boys, two girls. It was so fun. I loved Christmas. We like set up Christmas tree, did all that stuff. But a memory that I'll never forget, uh, we were so sneaky. So the the girls, my sister and I shared a room and the brothers shared a room. Mm-hmm. And my sister and I would wake up super early and I guess my little brother just... I think he did it too, but he did it at a different time. We'd peek out the door and we could see the Christmas tree in line and mm-hmm. no one else was awake. We didn't want people to know. We would go out to the living room and look at the presents before because <laughs> like some of the things were wrapped. Some of them weren't wrapped. Um, it just depended. And we would be like, all right, that's, we know what we're getting. Like we try to guess whose was who. We'd go back to bed, pretend like we're sleeping until we get woken up by our mom. Um, well, one year we went out. And we saw these Care Bears, like we collected Care Bears. And we're like, oh, which one's mine? Like this one's mine, this one's hers. And we go back in the room. Mom wakes us up. We come out. The Care Bears are gone. Uh-oh. We're like, what in the world? And we we were like, what happened to the Care Bears? And my mom was like, what are you talking about? Like, how do you how do you know? Santa um, had a recall. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was so funny because it was this moment, you know, like we truly believed in Santa Claus. We were... I would not even think I was five years old. I don't, I just never forgot that because it was like we would sneak peek the presents and they were gone. Of course she brought them out to us. Yeah, that, that was, that's one of my favorite memories. It was with yeah. my siblings being so young. There's something about the innocence of yes. Christmas and just the spirit of Christmas when you don't have other responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. What about you? What's, what's your, what's oh, on your favorite gosh. Christmas memories? You know, I was kind of thinking about this and I think mine's almost like in two parts I think um the first one being um this is gonna this is gonna sound really strange but you know my family had we have a sizable operation and so growing up it wasn't like there was always a lot of competition if I wanted to be I want to get in the tractor I want to do that you know my dad always had hired guys around and and you know so it wasn't a and it's everything was always going 100 miles an hour all the time so yeah. You know, there wasn't a ton of time to be like, all right, let's stop what we're doing and like, you know, show the kids how to do, you know, you kind of had to learn on the fly. And this is going to sound weird, but kind of one of my favorite things around the holidays in general um, was that, you know, my dad didn't have the guys come in and work on the holidays um, or they would only work a, you know, a part day till 10 or 11 o'clock or something. And, and then it, it was just like a ghost town, which is so odd, um, you know, because there's always something bustling around the farm. And so, it was kind of cool because it always felt like the holidays, even though it was work, it was the time that we really spent together working together, like with my dad. And, yeah. um, you know, we got to drive the equipment that we don't normally get to do because, you know, it's it's the middle of a work day. We got to get stuff done. So just a little <laughs> bit, you know, that's kind of, like I said, kind of a kind of a strange one. But that's like the first thing I thought of was like that was the time that you truly did work and it was like slowed down and you're just like taking care of the animals and you're taking a little extra second to 
stop and look at stuff and, um, you know, or maybe talk about, especially the timing of, you know, the holiday is you're almost into a new year. So you're just talking about the future and like what, yeah. what we're going to do next year. And so that was the first thing I thought about. The other thing that I thought about that, I, that truly is special is um, I think farmers have a very special relationship with food and especially traditional foods that your family makes. Like, and I think it's part of that relationship of raising something and then eating it. And so, um, you know, hauling out the family cookbooks and my grandmother and my sister and I kind of like combing through be like, oh, well, we're going to use, um, you know, great grandma's this, that, the other recipe, yeah. you know, dressing balls are a family favorite. And so um, just really taking a lot of time to to choose the menu. And they were these like really traditional recipes that people for generations back, people, women that I never met were cooking. And, yeah. and I think that's special too. I, I didn't grow up in farming, but the family we'd spend time with, they were farmers. Um, and there were all the cousins in the family who mm-hmm. weren't farmers either. Yeah. And they would always go to the barn and like play gladiators on hay bales. And <laughs> yeah. stuff. But there's something about like just that, that time, like you said, mm-hmm. when it's cold and, yeah. and just quiet. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Love that. Always makes it nice. Well, so part of today's podcast is going to be around, um, you know, we shared a little bit of our traditions or memories, um, but there is a really unique tie to agriculture and the holidays as well, especially around Christmas um, with different traditions because we talked about food, we talked about family, we talked about, um, you know, those traditions that you do over and over again. And so Ashley and I have pulled together uh, some fun ag facts that we thought we'd just kind of go back and forth here and and share a little bit. Do you want to kick us off, Ashley? Do you have one first? Yeah, I do. And we want this to be like a you you think about it with us, you guess with us. So if you whether you're listening, whoever you're listening to it, think to yourself, what do you think the answer to this is, uh, or what it would be, um, or if if you're a teacher and you're playing this, like pause it and see what your students think. But I, I have one about livestock, go livestock in Christmas. So this. Livestock animal has been domesticated for as long as 2,000 years and were likely the first domesticated hooved animal. That's reindeer. Reindeer. <laughs> I'm just imagining a halter on a reindeer right now. I don't know like why that popped in my head. But. Well, well, it's like a, we, we think of reindeer in like that magical traditional sense, mm-hmm. like Santa mm-hmm. sleigh, but they are actual livestock animals. It's, it's a really big thing in Europe, actually, like oh, not yeah. in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are reindeer that are in the U.S., but something I found, I was like, are there reindeer in Virginia? I was trying to look it up. <laughs> Not really, and yeah. it, but if you have them, let us know. If you have them legally, let us know. <laughs> that um, is exotic animals. Probably just keep that to yourself. But I, I found this Virginia Department of Ag and Consumer Services article that was written last year for Christmas time, and they had a veterinarian quoted on it mm-hmm. um, because they're all ruminant animals in Virginia. They have to have identification number. Like they, you can't just have a random reindeer. And there was like some program or something this article talks about, about how they wanted reindeer to come through this town because it's like Santa Claus, like they're reindeer, but the vet had to check them. The vet had to check them, make sure that they had an ID and everything. So I thought that was funny. Like, you know, reindeer have been around forever and um, they are domesticated, you know, but it's like they, well, they still got to have an ID. You know, they can't just be nosing around here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tag that thing. Virginia Department. 
Department of Wildlife Resources will come after you. Um, but I thought that was a really cute article, something they did for Christmas even last year. So um, Christmas trees, we can talk about that for a second. When I was doing some research on Christmas trees, it's a German tradition um, to celebrate uh, winter solstice. And um, they were sa- they were talking about how they used to light candles and actually stick them in the trees. And I'm like, hello, oh my fire hazard. <laughs> Smokey the Bear was not around yeah, yet. I know. I was like, oh, Cover gosh. your ears, Smokey. <laughs> Woof. Um, the, so we were talking about safety. Holy moly. Um, but anyway, the reason why uh, they use Christmas trees is was because evergreen trees retain their color all four seasons. They displayed and embraced the reminder of warmer months to come. And so that's why they used to put that up in their trees, uh, or use that specific type of tree um, during the Christmas holiday. But this is what I thought was cool for Virginia Christmas trees. The state is ranked, guess, yeah. Think, think on the national level where Virginia might be ranked in Christmas tree production. Yeah. It seems funny to say Christmas tree farms, but mm-hmm. they're a thing. They y'all. are. And we are ranked seventh nationwide for harvest and production of fir, pine, and spruce trees. Like that's $10 million annually, Christmas mm. Virginia Christmas tree sales. I was like, wow. <laughs> I don't know. That just really hit me off guard because you think about all the other stuff that we produce and you don't think about Christmas pr- trees, but we're in the top 10 in the country for that. Yeah, and that's a way you can support Virginia agriculture is mm-hmm. get a real tree um, instead of artificial. A little more work. Um, but if you all have a real tree, you know what it's like to drag it in and get a bucket of gravel to weigh it down and like yeah. keep it watered. You know? The watering uh, part is hard for me. You talk about a fire hazard. Me, every yeah. time I have a live tree, I'm just like forgot to water it, and now it's a fire hazard. We used to do cedar trees, mm-hmm. and that like the aroma of the tree would like oh, fill yeah. the house, and, and we would put like the icicle things oh, yeah. on them, like the uh-huh. little weird stringy mm-hmm. plastic thingies. Yeah. Don't do it now. I can't yeah. stand them. Um, but love Christmas trees. All right, move it on. We're moving on here. Let's talk about ham. Uh, some people can't stand turkey past Thanksgiving. Some people do it do it too. But I feel like ham is a traditional meat that happens around um, Christmas time. So this place in Virginia is known as the ham capital of the world. And more more recently, like it's just called Hamtown. So imagine if you live in a place called Hamtown. Um, take it so however funny? you want it. But... <laughs> What what place in Virginia is known as the ham capital of the world or Hamtown? And, and that's Smithfield. Oh, yes. Smithfield. So if you get a, a Smithfield ham, like that's from the, the ham capital of the world, also known as Hamtown. The last decade, um, they produced about 20,000 hams per year. That's that's a lot. And and. Smithfield hams are the only ones that can be called Smithfield hams. Like, really? It, like, you can't oh. have a Smithfield ham that's not from Smithfield, Virginia. That's very cool. Um, so that's that's really cool. So if you get a Smithfield ham, that's special. But if you don't get a Smithfield ham, that's also from a farmer. That's what I yep. love about ag products. Um, you don't have to buy one specific product. You don't have to buy a certain product that has a certain label on it that makes you feel good about it. A farmer raised that food. They eat that food too at Christmas. Kind of like what you're saying, the food mm-hmm. you bring to the table is the food you eat. So mm-hmm. you can feel good about that food that mm-hmm. comes from a farmer. Absolutely. Well, kind of keeping on that same theme um just like you said so the basic american christmas dinner is actually like kind of british in origin there's a roasted root vegetable as a side dish mashed potatoes gravy and then that centerpiece is normally a stuffed roasted fowl that's what this one (laughs) thinks i felt like i should say that in british accent but um i i was doing a little bit more research and and found this one um blog and it was 
going through traditional Christmas dinners in America, kind of state by state. And actually, there was one that I thought was really interesting, and it is actually an aquaculture product. It is oysters. That is specific to Virginia, and that is a nod uh, back to our 17th century founders. That was a tradition that they had when the settlers were like in Jamestown. It's so interesting to me that seafood is a thing for the holidays. I, I just didn't grow up with that tradition in food. Really? But um, like local general stores, mm-hmm. like I follow on social media, I noticed they're hyping up their oysters. Um, oh, yeah. Like mm-hmm. to do like the fried oyster situation. Yeah. So that was a tradition of ours. Like we have yeah. always had fried oysters. The the men gather around and they're, yeah. deep, you know, fry or whatever. And they and they fry oysters. And yeah, that that's because my grandmother was always very particular about what kind of oysters because my pappy was always wanting to, you know, make sure we had the right kind of oysters. And that's that's kind of the cool thing about Virginia oysters as well. Um, I looked up on the Virginia Aquaculture Oysters Growers Association, I guess, has a website. Um Virginia is interesting because they have eight different regions of oysters um, because that mixture of the fresh water interacting with the salt water in the Chesapeake Bay gives a variety of flavor combinations. So it's everything cool. from salty, buttery, creamy, sweet. So it's like eight distinctive flavors in Virginia for Virginia yeah. oysters. That's cool. so interesting. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of like how you may age meat or yeah. like the time of how long you may have mm-hmm. something going. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. All right, each dairy cow in Virginia provided an average of blank gallons of milk in 2020. So I know that's that mm. that's two, three years ago at much. It probably hasn't changed as much, um, especially just at the capacity of how our dairy industry grows or, or like how, just how it develops, you mm-hmm. know. So what do you think? How many gallons of milk do you think is provided by each dairy cow on average in Virginia? I actually don't know this one. I feel like I should know this, but I do not know what this is. Put in perspective, and when you go into the grocery store and you see all of the milk in there, mm-hmm. like, that's that's a lot. Just that one time. And then when people freak out over storms and it's all gone, you're like, man, how is all this milk gone? Well, there's a lot of milk that goes through this place. Mm-hmm. So the um, each dairy cow in Virginia provides an average of 2,360 gallons of milk. That was in 2020. Hmm. So over 2,000 gallons of milk wow. from each dairy cow. Um, That's awesome. But we're relating this to, Chris, to Christmas because the tradition uh, my family had was setting out milk and cookies for oh, Santa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now I see so many memes and jokes from parents, like whether it's on TikTok or social media in another form, where they're like, we just can't eat these anymore. <laughs> like they can't eat the cookies, like they'll leave the crumbs or whatever, but they're like, I got to get creative um, because if your kids make the cookies, sometimes they're not very good. Yeah, yeah. It's I always love seeing when my nieces decorate cookies because it's just like an icing bomb went off. Like it's just <laughs> the icing pack actually broke. Actually, now they're putting on with a butter knife or a spoon. <laughs> I'm just finger painting icing on, and I'm like, delicious, ladies. Thank you. After touching their face, and then you're like, I have to eat that later. It's great. It's all good. Oh my gosh, I love that. Well, to to go along with your milk and cookies theme. How about eggnog? So, oh yeah. Apparently, and I got this from the History Channel, according to reports by Captain John Smith. Um, so go back to your, your 1607. history. Yeah. In 1607, um, in the Jamestown Settlement, he uh, documented that the first eggnog made in a, the United States was consumed there at the Jamestown Settlement in 1607. So that's kind of cool to think about when you think about such a traditional holiday drink. Um, yeah. And it goes on to say that nog comes from the word 
grog, which refers to any drink made from rum. So that was a new one for me. So, but then I hopped over on the ABC website because I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting because, uh, you know, distilleries, spirits, that sort of thing is such a growing industry here in Virginia. And I wanted to look up a little bit more. Um, So here's something fun. So what percentage of ingredients are used by Virginia distillers from Virginia farms? 70%. I thought that was a huge number. That is huge because you think about companies just in production in general. Yeah. There are so many things that they need to produce a product, especially an end product. Like when you're... When you're doing ham, like yeah. that's that's ham, that's the meat. Yeah. If you're creating, like we talked about, eggnog, even mm-hmm. like that's that's so many ingredients that come into it, and yeah. a lot of times, especially when you're do, working with USDA, like the USDA has to approve labels. That's right. Um, it can get complicated where your products come from. So I thought that was really cool. It's like this majority over, like seventy percent, yeah, um, is from the same state. Yeah, right? I think that's like so cool because it's just like going right back in it. So there's. Um, when I counted on the ABC website earlier today, there's over 65 distilleries across the state. And I think oh that gosh. there's, I know, isn't that a lot? I know. <laughs> so I was like, that's, that's kind of a lot. I'm telling you, they're just popping up everywhere. So um, they have a $163 million economic impact um, here in Virginia. So it's it's something fun, makes the holidays a little more spirited, I guess, no pun intended, um, but also a very, very cool and important part of the Virginia ag economy. Yeah, awesome. So that's those are the ag facts that we have. You don't have any more. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, those are the no. ag facts that we have. So uh, we shared some of the traditions that we have. We're sure sure that you all have your own holiday traditions or just the spirit of this season, uh, things that you do with your family. Um, reach out to others. You know, so many people are willing to open their home or open their own family traditions if you don't have anyone around. Um, or we hope that this brings you some spirit and light and just some curiosity as we said some of these ag facts here. So that's all we've got for this holiday special that we're doing uh, for the Virginia Young Farmers podcast now. Um, Share this podcast with everyone that you know on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere that you stream. You can keep the conversation going by following us on social media at Virginia Farm Bureau Young Farmers or send us an email at youngfarmerspodcast at gmail.com with ideas for future topics you would like to hear to help you navigate farming, life, or both. We can't wait to be with you again on Virginia's Young Farmers Podcast. And until then, we hope your holiday season is merry and bright.